0: Welcome to the Paru Zings Appraisers on Purpose podcast. This podcast showcases inspiring appraisers and professionals from the industry who are leaders in their field. How did they get to where they are? What have they learned along the way? And what do they do now for their teams, their clients and the industry? Your host is real estate investor, entrepreneur and appraiser Michael Hobbs.
1: Well, welcome back. I hope you're having a fantastic summer wherever you might be. We continue to greatly appreciate all of the feedback, the encouragement, the suggestions, as well as the acknowledgements. It's been just really rewarding for people connecting, learning, and growing because of all of our guests so far here in season two. And today is another special day. I'm excited that uh, Bill's joining us, Bill Altima. Some of Many of you all probably know Bill, a wonderful smile if you've been to any of the uh, appraisal conferences and seminars over the last couple of decades, but absolutely uh, just a, a wonderful human being and a very talented professional.
0: I'm excited uh, for Bill to be joining us. Bill,
1: thanks for joining us today.
0: Yeah. And thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I've had a few people tell me, he says, why do you always smile? And I'm like, well, the alternative is, isn't as fun, So he might as well smile, right? I,
1: I completely agree with you on that. So we're excited to have Bill here with us on Parusing's the Power of Value podcast here in season two. Bill, we always start out with the same question, and that is, were you born this way or how did you get into the appraisal and valuation profession?
0: Certainly a lot of uh, appraisers who have been in the profession as long as I have have some type of family connection that they use to 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 get into it and that's a whole other topic in and of itself um these days. Mm-hmm. I guess a lot of people refer to that as as one of the reasons why the our industry looks the way that it does uh today. Oh, you mean you didn't have a family member that just pulled you in? Uh you weren't at the dumb end of the tape measure. You didn't uh I was not and matter of fact, it wasn't um, until my college days that i was really even exposed to an appraiser or what the appraisal process was or or what it was what it was all about right it's really a bit of a story and it's it, it's it's a crazy story um, but i ended up working for the city of anderson as a zoning administrator assistant or internship in the summer between before my sophomore or before my junior year so between my sophomore and junior year.
1: Yeah. You like many college
0: students uh, need to make some money is what I heard you saying and needed to make some money. Um, it, it, I'll get into a little bit of the story. Long story short. Um, I was looking for a job. I was all, all over the place. A friend of mine, you know, we, we ended up having a, a few sodas at a certain establishment and, um, there were. There was a group there that was, was very interesting. We got to chatting with them. Uh, it turns out that they all belong to the work for the zoning department for the city of Anderson. So anyway, I kind of just struck up a conversation with these guys and I, they said, well, what are you doing for the summer? I said, I'm looking for, the job, for a job. And the director said, hey, tell you what, stop on by and I'm looking for, to hire an intern. You know, it seems like you're just about as good as anybody else. And so I remember that he worked for the government, right? But I and that that it had to do with zoning, right? But I was a little confused. And uh the city of Anderson oh, all right. is the county seat. And so the city buildings on this side and the county buildings on this side of the street. And so there's they're on opposite ends of the street. And I ended up going to the county building first. And uh long story short, I was standing there just kind of looking for <laughs> the guy's name i remembered his name and so anyway someone come up and said hey who are you looking for and i told him i said you're in the wrong building across the street i went in there he saw me he uh he hired me right on the spot and wow that smile was pervasive i mean you, i mean right from the start bill that's impressive yeah so all of that to say that you know uh ultimately I that was my kind of where I, I started to get my exposure to appraisers because there were two kinds of people that would come into the zoning department back in the okay late 80s. <laughs> yeah, and late 80s, right? Uh, <laughs> you, you couldn't get your information online. I mean, that just simply didn't oh exist. no, there was no internet back then, no Bill. <laughs> so if, if you wanted zoning inter- information, you had to come in, and there were two people that came into the zoning department to get zoning information. And that was attorneys and appraisers. Yes. And uh, I don't know. I just. And you didn't become an attorney? I didn't. Oh. You know what? Those are the two choices. I thought the appraisers were cooler. I liked them. They were, they were you know, nothing bad about attorneys or anything else. All right. All right. A little thumbs up but, to the real estate appraisers. But I thought they were pretty. Love it. So that's so where I, I kind of got my, okay. uh, you know, know what appraiser did. Because I'd ask them, I so what do you, why are you getting this information? And they started telling me, you know. Okay. Long story short, I went back and did that the, the following summer. And at the end, between my senior year, um, they ended up, they wanted me to stay on full time. I said, look, I'm a student. The director loved me so much. He figured out a way where I could get full time benefits and work for them. But, you know, he said, when you need to go to class, go to class. And when you're not in class, come here. I'll pay you the hours you work. And so it was a great, it was a great full year uh, that I got to work there as a zoning administrator, but it was after I a. But, but Bill, here you are just to set the stage yeah. for
1: everybody. You're a college, college student. student. I mean, I mean, you're making sure that you're staying hydrated and filling your brain with good stuff along yeah. the way or some stuff along the way, all that was good yeah. or not and other people maybe like me worked in food service in the dining hall and here you are working at as you know as a zoning administrator i mean that's a little sexier than i guess being a, you know serving some grub on a tray as people are walking by
0: Yeah of. you know it w- it was very interesting and i got to learn about the a lot about zoning law i got to learn a lot about local government wow it was a great uh you know it was a great job to have during that time and and, and obviously or at least the expectation was from the, the the directors once I graduated you know I would stay on with the city and and work as a, as a zoning administrator I had realized shortly after graduation maybe even a little bit before that this wasn't something I really wanted to do like for nothing to nothing against that it's just I was like hey I had bigger aspirations and other things I wanted to do you know at least in my mind at that time. And so I was walking through campus and I saw a sign that said that they were uh, interviewing for real estate appraisers. And I was like, oh, actually,
1: on campus, app- is it, you actually were at a university or a college or whatever, however the name may have been, that they actually had on campus recruiting for
0: students. Turns out that the, there was an appraiser there uh, that day. Oh, wow. He wanted to uh, add to his, his staff. Um, he was an alumni, so he decided, Hey, oh, what better okay. place to go and and find a new recruit than, you know, my alma mater. And so, yeah, I mean, now that makes a lot of sense. It's not exactly family, but it's kind of like family, kind of like family. And so I was like, Hey, that's I, those guys come into the office. They seem pretty cool. You know, um, I, nice. I, I, I want to hear more about this. So I went and, uh, I set up an interview. I went. And I, I spoke to the two gentlemen that they came in and, uh-huh. you know, we, we hit it off really well. And matter of fact, when I was leaving, he said to me, he says, quite frankly, you're the only person we talked to today that that was worth a damn. So, Who's you know, that? I stuck my chest out. I thought, man, I got this down. Right. You know, and my smiles carry me all the way through that. Like one and done show, another time. This is a- That's it. So I, I go back and, of course i'm in anderson indiana um this this position was in hamilton ohio so i started packing my bags right, figured, you know, hey, I'm gonna okay yeah you soon. and i waited and i waited and i waited and i didn't hear anything and oh, goodness i obviously back then and i don't know whether it is as big as it is done as much today but you know you were always told like as soon as you have an interview you write up uh, like a thank you thank for the interview thank you note. oh yeah and and so <laughs> i sent that off um, and then I got this letter in the mail. It says, I'm sorry, but you know, we made our selection and he wasn't, you know, one of the guys. That- it wasn't you. Oh my gosh. Oh, um, no. And, and so then the, in the playbook, the next thing was to write a letter and say, well, Hey, thank you for considering me understand, you know, but if, you know, in the future you think that you might be interested in hiring another person, please let, I want you to know that I'm still interested. Right. Got it. If you, if you talk. So did you send I sent that, that letter? letter. I sent that that letter. letter. Oh, you did? And and that's okay. the way I explain it. Now, if you talk to the person who received the letter, you're one of who is this cocky guy who's telling me I made a mistake?
1: <laughs> and
0: that it's okay he'll forgive me if if I want to change my mind, I'll still well, but, oh, man, yeah and love, it, love. obviously it has it's nowhere close to that. But he decided, you know what? Uh, I like his initiative. I like, it. you know what? I'm am going to hire him too. And so he sent me back a letter, and he goes, "Look, why don't you come on?" Right,
1: and that was wow. So you didn't have to unpack. I didn't have your to rhetoric. unpack my bag. Uh, you did,
0: yeah.
1: And you went across state lines. You went from Hoosier territory over to Buckeye territory. It's it just
0: just across that might have been dangerous yeah just That's across it. the line uh butler <laughs> county uh borders uh indiana uh and Doubt. which is very interesting um you know being there in that greater cincinnati market area i actually spent uh for several years uh southeastern indiana uh was my was my my territory there. Cincinnati was growing; it was becoming a large bedroom community. A lot of new construction; it was exploding, and uh, so a lot of uh, a lot of people who had lived in Ohio, in the Ohio side who were migrating out, you know, they were yes. using their lenders, and you know, the lenders like, well, I don't have any Indiana appraisers, you know, because everything was regional back in those days, right? So they said, hey, do you have anybody that can go to Indiana for us? And I went, hey, I'll, I'll do it. Um, and so I spent a lot of time in uh, southeastern Indiana doing appraisal work there. Long story short, I uh, made the move to Buckeye, started doing appraisals. The guy they hired in front of me, uh, I think he stayed on a year and then he moved on. Okay. But during that time, things got really slow. And so they even let a couple appraisers go. And I figured, okay, one' well, the last one in, I've got to be the... One of the first ones out. Yeah, of course. Uh, but it didn't happen that way. I, they they kept me around. So congratulations. Kept working on. It. Once again, that smile paid off for you, Bill. There you go. There you go. Kept on. Uh, <laughs> kept on working on that. Uh, in that in that appraisal realm. And now here's here's the interesting part: is that the guy that hired me and actually eventually ended up becoming my brother-in-law because I married his wife's sister. So, Talk about building family around this profession that you didn't start into. Yeah, I kind of did it the other way. Usually you ought to have the family, and I'd say, no, well, let me do the appraisal first, and I'll work family in later. (laughs) So what was it like
1: for people that uh, either may not be old enough or uh, didn't start out in a, as you pointed out, in a a smaller uh, market area next to a larger city, what was it like uh, joining a firm? Was it was it you and the new guy and and the alum and that was it, or was it a little bit larger? And you went on a lot of training. Like, what was that whole getting started like when you went from being behind a desk and the zoning side of things, and now you're in the
0: field and doing research? That was one of the most appealing things to me. I mean, you know, when when because I, I thought when I was talking to these appraisers, I was like, well, what do you do and how do you do it? And they're like, well, well, you know, we have to go and be out in the field and. You know, go to the houses and everything, but then we spend a lot of our time behind the desk working the appraisals up. And I was like, that's like perfect for me because I can't see myself sitting behind a desk all the time. And, and, but then, you know, I don't yeah. want to be, you know, out and about um, every single day either. Right. And to me, yes. you know, kind of breaking it up and then being that I'm traveling all over the place and it really get, I mean, I got to know the greater Cincinnati market uh, area pretty well driving around as an appraiser, um, you know very quickly yes so you know that was one of the real appealing things to me about becoming an appraiser in in the early days I, i liked uh you know i liked that piece probably one of the really fortunate things for me and i think is was a big part of uh you know developing as an appraiser and honing my craft was that i went to an office every single day so you got up, you went to the office and we sat in a bullpen full of appraisers. Oh, wow. And so, you know, we sat there every day working on appraisals, talking about appraisals. Hey, I, yes. I got this, I got this really weird property or I got this really weird situation mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I no, I've done one like that before. And they tell you about it and, mm-hmm. and just, you know being in that group and and as I would sharpen iron I guess if you want to if you want to use that, that same analogy that was that was really uh, you know really big part of you know and very valuable uh, at that time of my my career just developing as as an appraiser so uh, of course back in that day you would type up the report yes and I was new so it would have to be reviewed Right. You'd have know? to have Of course. I
1: mean, you're brand new. You probably still had the shiny on you, like a brand new penny that just got minted. So to, to
0: have it reviewed, you would print it out on the laser printer. We had a laser printer, which really, you know, a laser, laser printer. printer. Ooh, that's fancy. We'd, we'd print that thing out and then you would take it down and you'd hand it across the desk. And to let you know who my brother in law is, it, it's Ernie Durbin. And a lot of people, I'm sure, listening to this <laughs> podcast knows who Ernie Durbin is. And, no and if you know anything about Ernie Durbin, he picks up his red pen and he's like, with this huge smile on his face, bigger than my smile. That's hard to do, but okay. It went In his hand, and, and he would just start. And every single time I go down there, he said, He ain't going to find us. I got
1: this. <laughs> so it was a competition. Oh, it, it was a, a
0: matter. Of- and then he would take that and circle something, and it would just, just make me so oh, mad. It just grind on you, huh? Oh good. And he got so much pleasure from it. But <laughs> you know, ultimately that was really good too, right? I mean, you you sat there, it was immediate feedback. Um, you know, we had an opportunity to sit there and and talk about things. Here's what I think, and you know, just all the back and forth. It's it's so valuable. And, you know, I don't know that there's really very many opportunities like that these days, you know, where a lot of times I think that if you complete your appraisal and you need someone to review it, well, they just log in and they review it, right? Yes. Instead of sitting there across the desk in that, doing it that way. And then just, just having peer appraisers in a bullpen sitting, you know, it, it's, it's kind of funny when things were really busy, I always got home late because I had to, to work. And then when things would slow down, I was still getting home late. My wife would goes, "Well, if it's slow, what?" I mean, there was just too much fun that we were having in the office uh, together. So, uh,
1: the, the the power of the uh, of the proximity, I think. You know, sadly, one of the things in COVID is uh, that's been lost. I mean, online's nice and all, but it's just not the same as being sitting, like you said, a bullpen or some type of of space and that ability to have a have a connect where it's not you don't feel like oh i'm imposing because i'm i'm calling you on the phone or i'm connecting with you on some video or something that's that's fantastic it was you were there late in the evening whether you're busy or things were a little slower it's a great testament to the culture of the community
0: yeah and you know cincinnati was a great market to learn um cut your teeth and and grow as Mm -hmm. an appraiser i mean you have the 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 urban area of cincinnati plus dayton when i first started there you know when um, you had the kind of the suburban sprawl or whatever you know they were kind of two distinct cities and then they kind of just started growing together down the i-75 uh, corridor so there was a lot of a lot of new construction occurring and a lot of experience in both in all three markets urban suburban rural lots of rural um, areas you know, in the area. So, you know, it was, it was a great way to get a, a good taste of and well-rounded, um, experience of, of all kinds of different, uh, property types and and everything else. So. Did you,
1: did you stay there, uh, until recently or did you, did you ultimately something come along and you change?
0: Yeah. Uh, from what, what after? So, uh, 20 years. Uh, worked 20 years as an appraiser um, in that market, a wow. uh, field appraiser um, from 1990 to 2010. That's amazing. Is, is how long I did uh, did appraisals there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I, I, you know, I mean, I really haven't done a whole lot of field appraising since then, but uh, okay. 20, I have 20, 20 years. Two right decades right of experience. And, and yeah. So yeah, I mean, I really, and did a lot of work, you know, during that time. We were, we had a shop. and it was it was innovative for the day we incorporated processors into our uh, process who you know ultimately would the the orders would come in and they would prepare files and you know they would you know pull the mls they pull the public record information print it off stick it in a file they get us a map right you had to have a map because didn't. they would they would stick that in there um you know we had a The form that we took out initially where, you know, you just kind of, we had, we had listed all the different quick list items, so to speak, that you would circle and then you bring that back and then the processor would essentially fill it all out into the form for you. We would even tell them which comparables that, that we were interested in Mm -hmm. and considering that we drove by and took, took photos. And so they would, they would pre-populate those into the, into the grid. And once they got all that in there, including our notes and everything, we came through and kind of reviewed the page one, added our notes and additional information, mm-hmm. you know, went on to page two, figured out which comps we wanted to use, deleted the ones we didn't, make our adjustments, right reconciliation. Back then, I mean, it was 35 millimeter with glue sticks, um, you know, so, so nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, Once you was done, you'd print it off and then the, again, the processor put the, put all the photos down and draw all the lines and stick it in an envelope or, or, and then when obviously as the years progressed and systems came online, you know, they would actually log in and, uh, and send the, uh, send the appraisal, uh, through the system to the client. So we really try to keep our Try to make us as efficient as we could by focusing on the appraisal piece, um, and and using um, staff to to do a lot of the other things that really did require our expertise. So, yeah, you know, and and I'm not too far from that same concept um, today, or or in any point in my uh, appraisal career. I mean, to me, I I kind of think that we should be focusing on our expertise, what we do best and you know if i can use somebody else to do some of the other work for me then you know i'm i'm good with that um you just need to review it make sure it's all good make the changes you need to make changes, and and keep moving
1: kind of sounds like to me i was recently at the dentist's office and uh i think there must have been what one two three people that i interacted with before the dentist got there and you know I don't know, spent 10 minutes or so together. It wasn't, didn't need a ton of time per se, but, uh, kind of sounds familiar. Just a little delegation of work based on the level of involvement or responsibility or complexity.
0: Right. Right. You know, same, same thing that the doctor, I've got one person that takes me in and gets my blood pressure and weighs me and Mm -hmm. has a whole list of questions that they ask me and, you know, writing all that down and, and a whole score of things that, and then, you know, usually the doctor comes in and says, he looks at everything that was collected, ask you a few questions. And then, uh, they're like, okay, well, they'll be back in to, you know, to, to finish things up and they're gone. Right. So, uh, right. yeah, very, very similar concept is way we based and ran our office. Wow. So it, now I, I do know for a fact, you
1: actually left the Cincinnati area. How, how did you ever leave the wonderful Middle Midwest,
0: yeah. well, you know uh, back uh, around 2008, there was a little bit of a, a crisis that had occurred. Um, no idea what yeah. you're talking about. Uh, well you know it, so <laughs> things got things got really difficult and and you know we were we started reporting that there was an oversupply of uh, homes uh, on the market and uh, back in that day it wasn't received uh, you know all that well. Are you kidding yeah. me? You mean yeah. telling people like
1: the truth, it's truth and, of- like breaking reality to yeah. them, and, and they're not excited to receive
0: the news? This is this shock. Pretty much, and then it, then it, it got even worse. You know, when we started telling them the property values were declining. So, oh yeah, got to mark the box, and they blew again.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean there were others that were marking those boxes, and they they gained favor yeah. um, in the market, and you know ultimately things kind of really started to get thin. We did. We changed with the times. We a lot of, there were two companies uh that really wanted to know what the value was and you know that was REO uh foreclosure uh you know the, oh yeah. they wanted to know all the all the details and um yeah. and also relocation. So did a lot of lot of that type of work during those uh years. Um but ultimately, you know, I was like, hey, uh maybe I ought to look at another uh, kind of gig here and there was a, uh, an appraisal management company in California that was looking for a chief appraiser. And, and so I spoke with them and, and they hired me. And, and so I packed up the family of five young boys. Wow. And we all gathered them around. I'm like, Hey, we're going to go to California. Made them all sit down on the couch. I told them this thing. And so we we went out to to California. Uh, it, I didn't stay there long. Um, it was just short of two years. It, it turned out it wasn't a wow. very good fit. Um, there was a company here in Western New York um, that was looking for a chief appraiser, and so I came and spoke to them. And uh, they say, "Hey, we, we want you, but you gotta you gotta move from San Diego to New York. Can you, can you do that?" Ooh, you were in San yeah. Diego. I mean, you weren't exactly in a bad place in California. I mean, <laughs> so i was i was like yeah let's let's do it so i sat all the kids down on the couch and then i said hey look we're leaving san diego we're headed to new york right we're going to be closer and more familiar to like cincinnati all over again than san diego yeah, so we packed them all up and <laughs> drove across the country again uh again, again. and yeah it, for them i so when i first started in california i I actually commuted from Cincinnati, believe it or not. I'd leave my gun on Sunday oh. or Monday morning, yep. would go out there, and then I would leave Thursday evening, and I would fly back. Uh, and I did that for like almost eight months. I did that for 18 months, back and forth to Nashville. I know what you're yeah. talking about. And and then uh, the family moved out there. We were there exactly one year uh, as a family That's together. A and then, yeah, I sat them down, so we're moving to New York to and. New York. Yeah. And so we moved here and it kind of hit me one day we had to have another family meeting and I sat them on the couch and, and, and they looked at me, they said, where are we moving now? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I was like, no, we're not moving anywhere. Um, just, you know, talk about something else, uh, whatever it was, but it kind of at that point, I was like, look, I need to kind of put some roots down and, and stay. So I've been here ever since. That that moved back in 2011, I've worked for several different companies, um, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of them out in California again, uh, one in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you mm-hmm. know, I've always, you know, always kind of said, hey, look, I just I need to I need to hang out here at least until, yeah, you know, all my boys are are done and ready to to move on themselves, which I'm exceptionally close uh, right now. Yeah.
1: Congratulations! Uh, close says in last one finished up high school or last one finished up college? The last one is in college. Yeah. So, oh my goodness, you've you've crossed the finish line for all practical purposes. For the most,
0: yeah, for the most part.
1: Congratulations on that. So, a lot of people will never get the opportunity, Bill, to uh, be in a in a company and ascend to the role of chief appraiser. You had the opportunity to do that at a couple different firms. As you stepped into those different roles at different firms. How has that responsibility changed over the last, well, really, as you pointed out, uh, like more than a decade?
0: Yeah, uh, that's, that's a great question. You know, it, 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 it has and it hasn't, I guess, to, to some degree. You know, when I, when I first started, it was uh, 2010, and, you know, the, there were a lot of AMCs opening their doors in 2010, and there was, uh, nice. you know, a lot of things happening. You know, you had the HDCC, which then you know went on to Dodd Frank, and um, you know lots of uh, regulation uh, occurring that that you know needed navigation. Um, it that was a, you know it, it kind of comes in spurts, so it was a lot of it right then, and then you know it it kind of evened out for a while, and then it you know obviously you know here several years ago after the. You know, the last crisis, we now all the AMCs had to be uh, registered uh, like they did with the appraisers uh, the first time around uh, back in the late 80s, early, yeah, I guess late 80s with the savings and loan crisis. So, um, you know, it's really interesting because I became an appraiser right when licensing came out, right? When I first started in Ohio, you just had to call yourself an appraiser. And if you can give someone, someone gave you business, you were. of course that was a very short lived for me because then you know licensing came along and and I I did all of that um and I yes. you know I kind of uh, also lived through the that same cycle with the uh with the red with the licensing of our appraisal management companies uh cuz I worked for for several of those so um yeah I mean the there's just lots of regulation that's occurred you know throughout the years uh, and, uh, and, you know, there's big things, big changes occurring now on all fronts. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, the whole process, the bifurcated and hybrid process the four redesign and you know, all of those things. So it'll be a, a, some pretty interesting years. I think that we've got coming up here, um, you know, soon as well. Got it. That's phenomenal. So how was it
1: for you? And this again, another perspective to, give people an understanding of what might be available to them if they pursue that path to go from being a field appraiser somebody who maybe is covering a particular market area or territory to moving into a role where you're you're not in the field but still very much connected to it as a uh, as a chief appraiser do you spend and i'm sure it's different from some different firms maybe kind of shed light like hey some firms operate one way some op- firms operate different but uh how do you how do you go from being a field appraiser to being a chief appraiser Aside from just giving yourself a title, much like, hey, I'm an appraiser in Ohio, or hey, I'm a coach these days. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, um, everybody always encouraged me to be a teacher. I uh, mean, for whatever reason, they, oh, okay. I, they, they're they like, hey, you know, uh, I think you'd be a great teacher. You ought to be a teacher. Matter of fact, when I was in college, when I started at Anderson University, uh, I went there to be a, uh, I wanted to be an athletic trader. Oh, really? So- I went through the first year, started the second year and, and loved it. Um, I mean, the Colts were doing their training camp. So I got some exposure to them and the head trainer there yeah. also worked for the Chicago bears, you know? Um, and so I was, you know, I thought this is really what what I wanted to do. And in my second year, they're like, Hey, you also need to get your teaching degree. And I'm like, what? I thought, I mean, Ooh. so my dad was a teacher. Right. And I just didn't want to be a Oh, Okay. My, not only my, my dad, my aunt, my uncle, I mean, ever, my whole family's full of teachers. And I just, I just didn't want to do it. And, um, and so I, I said, why do I got to do that? And I said, well, most likely what will you'll, you'll work as a teacher and then you can be a trainer for the high school as a stipend. And I'm like, that's totally opposite of what I want. I don't want to want to be a trainer. I don't want to be a teacher and get extra dough for, and, uh, and so I, I stopped and I just went into business management because right? I didn't know what else to do. And, and so, uh, that's, you know, that's what I went, but the, as, as much as I tried to do, avoid the whole, the whole teaching, um, thing, you know, there's, there's a lot of times I feel like that that's a big portion, uh, of the chief appraiser, uh, job and, you know, cause you got to take a lot of things and help the others, you know. That, that you work with who who don't know all the ins and outs and uh, things about appraisal and I guess educate them right uh, you know about Got it yeah about h- how we do things so to speak and then from a certain perspective sometimes you know that also comes in um you know in handy when when there's new um changes and things that are occurring yet and getting that information out to you know, uh, to even appraisers or, or others, guy level, they're, they're working their butts off doing, doing appraisal sometimes. So, you know, there's not, don't have their, their finger on the heart, heartbeat or of, of everything that's, that's occurring. So sometimes, you know, you can, you know, that it's helpful to, to bring all that information together and, and set it out so that, you know, everybody else can kind of get up. speed as
1: well. Yeah. Get a sense of that. And then for you, is there any like chief appraiser school that somebody like you goes to? Uh, I mean, back then they didn't have. I think they had listservs back in the day, if I recall correctly. It was probably about the closest thing you had to kind of some sharing of information. Uh, was there like a was a uh, for instance? the bible of uh, the real estate the, the uh, cr no you know what i mean you only really got it was there the good book i mean maybe there's maybe 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 uh, pastor Durbin was praying over yeah, the, yeah. what's going on yeah. here, but, uh, there but you, go. you
0: got something there you know uh no there's 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 no school um and if there is let me know i mean i probably ought to go um, <laughs> uh but
1: no comment. But yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be the first to sign up if there's cheap praise school no it's it's really kind of something that that you learn learn you know yeah by the seat of your pants and 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 as you move along i you know one of the requirements of my first cheap appraiser job is you know they said hey are you an sra and i'm like no and they go well we want you to do that so i think i did it i mean i pulled it together all in about three months um it was a lot of oh that's a lot of work um but yeah it was and it
1: it it was a lot of work. I remember that. Yeah. But for those that don't know what it is, um, and I'm, I'm a big believer in education and everything you can do to strengthen your own ability, as well as your competency and credibility to solve problems. But what what is uh, what you did? If you want to explain it,
0: yeah. So um, you know they have all of the uh, the qualifying education that you got to do to become. Uh, I mean, first you have you have to be a certified appraiser right? And, mm-hmm. and once you get through that, then you have to take all of the additional education that's required to be, uh, an SRA. I did that in the evenings, you know, like I come off work uh-huh. and I sit down and I go through that. And then of course you had to go to a, a testing center to take all the exams. Uh, but I, I kind of pushed through that in a very uh, short time period. I, I can't confirm, but I do think that I had a little bit of, uh, influence on the the a change that the appraisal institute had for the sra at the time when i said that i wanted to be you know i to do it they said oh well what did you i said why well, I, I took all and they said oh well that was that was 20 years ago so yeah that's when i was in college what do you expect you you can't you can't use that education and I'm, i said it's use path 15 hour Basic appraisal principles, yeah. basic appraisal procedures. And I said, you're going to make me retake those those courses? And they're like, Ooh, well, it sounds- yeah, because because you took them so long ago. And I said, I've been in an appraiser for 20 years, right? I said, and so I got out my pen and I started, started writing and... They ultimately came back and said, "Okay, we'll waive those courses. You don't have to take those." So I got here, lad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got them to to waive that for me personally, and yeah. then i i went I went on, and I think it was just me. But but shortly after that, shortly after that, they said that you, if you were a certified appraiser already, you didn't have to take. Any of the qualifying education to become that certified appraiser, you only had to take, you know, oh, okay. the, the additional, uh, the additional education. But but you you went that, and then and then you went and did your. I did the demo alternative.
1: Oh, you did okay. Uh, and what is that for people that aren't familiar with the advanced education opportunities that exist in the industry?
0: Yeah, so ultimately, everybody that that wants to, you know, become an SRA or MAI or any of those designations. <laughs> you know, you have to do, you have to do a demo report and, uh, it was one of the bigger stumbling blocks because essentially they told you to go you know, write this demo report, you know, isolated in a silo all by yourself, you know, writing, writing this thing up. And a, a lot of people just, you know, uh, at that point with, without the discipline or a, or a deadline or anything else like that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they, they never got past that that piece so the institute came on as an alternative where you know i call appraisal hell week uh i don't know whether you did that
1: i did uh i've I've done the sra i've done the mai i've i've got a number of other designations i've had sheer
0: pleasure i'm like wow this is worse than going back to college (laughs) (laughs) you know uh it's funny because i went we went we did and it was over it like started on a thursday and i think it ended like on a monday or tuesday or something like that yeah, it's like six or seven days something yeah, day like that and, and, you know I, I you rent a hotel and you think okay well i'll go to class during the day and the evenings you know kind of relax and, or whatever and and boy you 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 left class and you were in a book clear to like you know late hours in the morning and then you were getting no, up look- early trying to write things up before you went back to class, and at least the, that's the way. I mean, maybe I'm a little slower. I don't know, but for me, that's that's the how that that weekend went. And it was funny because one of the guys that sat next to me, um, I can't remember where he came. I did it in Columbus. I can't remember where oh, he God. came in, but his it was either his wife or his girlfriend was supposed oh, to come in and and uh, visit, you know, during the weekend. And he called. He called her up and said, "He said, don't come." And she's like, "What? What do you mean? I have all these things planned. I'm gonna." He goes, "Do not come here." He goes, "I do not have time." She goes, "What do you mean? You don't have time? You got all evening." He goes, "No." Oh, uh, yeah. And and I can I can hear him, and, and it was funny, right? Like I was laughing because uh, she was, oh yeah, she was so. She goes, "You just want to hang out with the boys in the evening," and uh, he's like, "No, seriously, I there's no time for you to come here." Um, so uh, that was a funny story. Uh, drawing, it was. that was about the it's only. It's fun even funnier that you were the, the one. Oh,
1: it that's it was fun because you weren't making that phone call to somebody else, getting your you know what, chewed out for changing the plans because they didn't understand what they were getting into before they got there.
0: Oh, good, you know. One of the one of the big things I learned, and two things one is yes. that, um, part of that was uh, you had to take some type of writing course, I think it's probably one of the best mm-hmm. courses I ever took. Uh, you know, how to, uh, how to and it's it's not has nothing really to do with appraisal it's how to communicate communicate your findings in a report and it was to that was probably one of the best uh courses that i had um as to to help me as an appraiser communicate my my findings um and, and then the other one was just driving home the absolute um uh, importance and necessity of the your bio reconciliation and writing your argument right and and so uh those were the two really big things that i took out of that and uh i would highly you, you should you should do it i mean you know all appraisers should go through we so i uh i think
1: there's something to be said at that, that uh that writing course is I've, I've done the residential one and the commercial yes. one um but they're yeah, you know, unless you were an English major or you, you know, around literature and what have you, effective writing is not something mm-hmm. that I found um, a lot of teaching on. You know, classes in and but here's part of that progression. It was it was definitely the case, and I'm clearly, I, I'm sure, Bill, that you are just such a better chief appraiser because you can communicate effectively. Somebody thinks so, at least.
0: <laughs> you know. There's all kinds of tools. I'm a I'm a big Grammarly fan, right? I don't know whether you know anything about well, Grammarly or not. Uh, a couple people on my team use it. They're uh, they they yeah. love it. So you know, it's you, you. I'll I'll write something up and I run it. I run it through Grammarly and and uh, you know just to kind of clean things up, uh, knock the edges off, and and if it can help me communicate my thoughts and ideas better, I'm all for it, right? Because ultimately, again, right back to what we were talking about—communication, communicating clearly so that you know you're getting your your message and your point across. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, if if you're one, if you're an appraiser that kind of struggles in in that area, I take the course, right? But uh, yep. that's that's one thing. But hey, use tools. Uh, if there is if there's a tool out there available that that you can utilize that that helps you be better. Uh, I say, I say, use it. And uh, for me, Grammarly, I, I, I love it. I've, I've had it for, for years. So.
1: That's fantastic. I mean, you know, speaking of, of tools that really enhance your ability to work, you know, you shared that once you made that relocation with the, uh, with the family, you're like, Hey, I'm not uprooting them again, but yet you have worked with firms literally across the country. And from that standpoint, you, although, you know, with your start there in the Cincinnati and southeastern Indiana market areas, uh, really have dealt with properties all across the country in your roles. How have, how have you found that to really expand or contribute to both your, you know, knowledge base or, or capabilities, uh, as well as the people that
0: you've had an opportunity to work with? It's interesting. And anybody that's, so one of the other things that I think every appraiser should do, is is that they should they should uh, work as a reviewer for either a lender or an appraisal management company? Um, it's
1: I'll say a little more about
0: that. That's I, I agree. Actually, I think
1: it's a phenomenal learning experience. But I'd love to hear your perspective.
0: Yeah, on that. you know, uh, first off, you know, sometimes not so much now, but in the earlier days, um, the the way, believe it or not, the way appraisals are written up and communicate and everything can could, could almost be regionalized um you know like some people in certain regions did things differently than than others and sometimes you could take the address totally off of it And if you're a reviewer that's used to reading through reports you can almost tell where that thing's coming from the way it's written up right because Got you know it, it, it kind of has a certain style and flavor of a certain of a certain region so and I'm not saying that any, any region's better than anything else, but I, I do, I'm a big fan of perspective. I, I like to, I like to look at something from every single angle, right? Uh, I want to, I want that perspective from every, every, uh, different way. And, you know, uh, I mean, how do you become a chief of I don't know. I mean, you look at all these reports and you hear a, a lot of different theories and perspectives yeah. on how things are doing and how people are doing things and it's, it's just really eye um, you know, things that I'd never even thought about. And then I looked at it and said, Hey, that's not, that's not a bad idea. I like, I like that. Uh, and, and then there's sometimes when I'm like, that's eh, not good at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but ultimately, um, you know, it's a learning experience from just seeing, you're seeing, how appraisers are doing their I mean their work not only from all the different regions but all these different appraisers right yes um you know you talked about I talked about how in the beginning I thought I was really fortunate to sit in the bullpen with a bunch of appraisers and that's because you know we all rubbed off each other and we didn't all do things exactly the same you know but but we had each other there to to kind of do that well I mean if you're a reviewer you're this stuff's coming in and you're looking at how all of these different appraisers are doing these things. And uh, I, I just think that's educational in and of its uh, in and of itself. Uh, one of the things about being a good reviewer and upset this time and time again, you can be a great appraiser, but sometimes not the best reviewer kind of, I mean, if, if you're someone that thinks that ever, every report has to be written the exact way you would do it. Um, you're not going to, you're not going to do really well under in, in the whole review uh, uh, portion of things. But yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's really important to get, uh, to, to see all those different perspectives. And, and then, you know what, I think that any appraiser that works as a reviewer, um, I know that sometimes it's really easy to get irritated with what they're asking for and, um, uh, and everything else. But I think that if you, if you stood in their shoes for, for a little while, you kind of see, you know, um, you know, how, how there can be, uh some challenges in in on that side of the uh, on that side of the uh, of the report as 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 well. You know, I I had an appraiser call me once. He was so upset. He's he's like, Bill, this reviewer. They asked me to do this, and it's already in your. Per- if you just read the report and send the report, and I pulled it up, and I said, you're at, you're absolutely right. That that isn't a report. I said. Now he sent you five things. I said that one's in there. I said, well, what about the other? <laughs> <laughs> Let's they make mistakes and they're going to ask her for the thing. Oh, you're already I mean, here with me. you know, but and he, he made what and you made four. So, yeah. Oh, man,
1: I love that. Love that. How has, I mean, you've had, because your opportunity to work with a, a number of different firms uh, as, uh, as a leader, as a, a chief appraiser. Over the last, say, five to seven years, and you've been involved in some very interesting uh, market spaces as well as technologies. Um, Tell us a little bit about that perspective because that's something that a lot of people also
0: don't necessarily think about when they think about chief appraiser. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, You know, it. it, My first two companies, they were uh, strictly, you know, uh, traditional uh, appraisals. That makes a little more sense. It was (laughs) earlier in the earlier days. You know, we were doing. 10.04s and 10.73s and 20.55s and 10.25s and Mm. you know the appraisers doing inspection you know on all of those and so that was really kind of uh, that portion. Um, I was really interested in the bifurcated uh, approach um, and and wanted to to know more about that and so one of one of the reasons I moved uh, was I had an opportunity to work for a company that was kind of on the leading edge um of, of doing uh, some of that stuff um and you know my curiosity is is one thing that kind of you know pushes me into certain spaces because i want to l- i like learning uh, about new things um so mm-hmm. you know i had some pretty decent exposure uh into the, in that regard um And then, you know, one of my opportunities was to work for a lender. I always wonder what it would be like on the other side of the fence. Um, You know, I've always. What was that like? Well, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was the same, but different, you know, which I is one of the things I like. So I like the fact that I've got already a good, strong base um, and understanding, but I'm learning new things. Kind of like when we were talking about, you know, you got this platform and people, you keep Well, I would think that was before maybe we started. Yeah, but you know that's why um, you 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 can have a, a base and then you can you can bolt things on and if if you come in after yeah. all the bolt ons are made it's it can be a little confusing but if you're there from the very beginning with all the bolt ons then it's it's really it's really it's it's easier to stay up to date and and operate and I guess it's kind of that that same thing you know the the lender side was a little bit different but not only that it was it, it was private lending. Uh, there was a lot of freedom on that side that I really enjoyed, and we ordered a lot of um, uh, non-traditional products uh, a- and a lot of traditional products.
1: And if I'm if i you know, it's something I I know a ton about, but uh, not everybody does. And when you talk about, in this case, I, I kind of refer to them as NBL non-bank lender because they're not they're not going they're not backed by the government. It's not Fannie Mae, it's not Freddie Mac, it's not FHA, it's not VA. And then you talk about Non-standard products, and someone has a need, and they're looking to work with people that can solve that need. And the company you happen to be work work with, so once we've worked with as well, we've worked with a lot of their peers. If you could share a little more about that, because in some parts of the country, people have never had that experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, so you're talking about the private lending uh space, and how it's a little bit, a little bit different. We have a lot of freedom with the type of freedom with respect to what our investors will accept, um, you know, but you know, we have, uh, there's, there's different products that we can order for different, uh, for different purposes. And, um, uh, you know, some of those are the, you know, some of the proprietary hybrid products, you know, where someone does the property data collection and, and then it's presented to an appraiser for them to, to complete at their desk. You know i've seen different products in in that realm you know uh a qualitative and quantitative approaches you know a lot of times someone looks at the qualitative and they go well that's a new way of doing things and i'm like actually no that's, that's a really old way um uh, of doing things right it's it's there really isn't anything new there we were very obviously i mean if if you're if you're working in that fix and flip uh, realm you know, then uh, you, you've got to have two values. You've got to have the the as is value and, and the as repaired. Some of the challenges with appraisers yep. would be that, you know, in the as is condition, they they'd say, well, you know, this is never going to fly with financing given the condition. I have to make it subject to. And I'm like, no, I gotta have a, I have to have an as is value. And they said, well, yeah, but an as is wait, yeah. I say, that a Good thing, because Wayne said it. at all. Did you read the engagement? Yeah, it's like hello, I, I. I communicated what we need. Yeah. Here. So they're like, well, I'm never going to find a cop that, uh, you know, that's in the same condition that this is. And I'm like, well, look it, ultimately it doesn't have to be the same condition, right? No. Who's the typical buyer of, of that property. And, and that's an investor. And so what you need to do yeah. instead of trying to find instead of the, the mindset of what's a comparable, what's the typical comparable for the investor. And, and that's the one that needs repair regardless of what what exactly is wrong. So one might have a foundation problem, and another might have a roof problem or, or whatever it is, but but those mm-hmm. those are the properties that are competing uh against each other in the typical buyer's mind, uh in that in that market. And so those are your comparable properties. That's so that's great perspective.
1: Absolutely great perspective. Unfortunately, I, I think, uh, a little bit of the economy got a hold of that company and you didn't. Yeah. I,
0: don't... I, I can only speculate, you know, I mean, they, 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 never consulted with me, um, you know, about how could someone not, consult yeah, you? you know, I, I certainly had a lot to say as you can, as you can tell, but yeah, for whatever reason, they, they, they seem to think that they had it without, without asking me, I can only speculate on, on what, um, the reason why they made the moves they did you know um uh, finance of america is still very involved in the reverse spending uh lending space and uh, matter of fact they acquired AAG, which is one of the largest reverse mortgage lenders in, in the country and mm-hmm. so ultimately just in my opinion i think that that's where uh most of their focus uh you know with where they want to put most of their focus now i don't know that's just that's just bill well, sitting, well, I mean, sitting in his chair but you know, Bill,
1: you don't have to be a, you don't have to be a wizard to look at the demographics and say, Ooh, people get a little older, yeah. going to be a lot more of those reverse mortgage possibilities out there than there have been in the yeah. past and making a strategic move into a, a market segment. Yeah. I mean, we,
0: we were doing well. We have things were going great. Uh, it's just, I think that it was a, uh, a, a change in the, um, focus. Um, so, and, uh, and you're, you're allowed to do that. So. Hey, that's
1: uh hey who has the cash makes the rules. So that's a rule. Yes, they had. That's the golden rule. <laughs> so you uh you've recently taken on a new position. Uh where are you at and what are you doing? And and I I think it's a fascinating perspective.
0: Yeah. Um, but I'd love to hear it from you. So I mean, look, I've been working from my house since 2014. Uh, you know, every once in a while when they'd fly me to an office so and I'd hang out for a few days and and come back home. Yes. But, you know, I haven't actually walked into an office since 2014. And it, uh, interestingly enough, um, I found a company that's right here in Buffalo. So I actually, I I, I go to the office uh, not every day.
1: You actually have a car now? You have a car and drive somewhere? Yeah, well, I have a Yeah, I, I have a It's a scooter. I'm sorry.
0: Maybe a Jeep Wrangler. I have a big Wrangler guy. Jeep if Wrangler. anybody knows me, they know how much I love uh, my getting out in my Jeep and playing in the mud. Um Love it, but but yeah uh it, it's uh where i'm at right now is uh mueller reports oh, and okay. okay. mueller reports uh has been in business for over 40 years and they're uh 40 yeah their primary focus over those 40 years was uh inspection field services for insurance companies and, and why would insurance companies need them? you know i don't know i'm, I'm I don't. I don't get too much in the insurance side. No, I nah, mean, look, I'll answer it for you. you. You know the answer, don't you? Not, nah, not really.
1: I mean, I don't. Okay. Well, I've owned a lot of buildings. I've done a ton of investment. Um. So, depending on where your property is located, and depending on who the insurance carrier is, and what their policy procedures are, what their ratings are, they do a field check. Mm-hmm. So, like, without going into any details, I'm got kind of a closing on Monday, and like, give them the address and. I get a phone call and like, hey, I'm just walking around the property you're going to buy. I'm like, oh, well, I'm sorry, no, normally it happens after it's already yeah. closed. Actually, they're do- they're doing kind of a quality right. On it. And the person walks around and they're it's just an exterior uh, an acknowledgement, and they're just making sure that what someone was told on the phone in terms of the rating of the property mm-hmm. actually matches the grading as it relates to their risk.
0: For- yeah, I think they're maybe looking at materials and some things
1: oh. like that as well. Is the roof in solid condition or is it buckling? Yeah. Uh, is there-
0: is the mortar falling out is the porch falling over you i mean i i do i do know I'm, i mean familiar to a certain extent i mean what what they do you know i mean I, they go both interior and next year um you know oh they do interiors oh, okay. there's all kinds of difference that's not my focus there and 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 you know they don't i don't think they, they want it to be i i could imagine in your role yeah what what is your role so my role is so you know they've been doing this this whole uh field inspection services for for a really long time and you know yes. with the the movement and the change to having you know the the bifurcated approach where someone's doing the inspection on the behalf of the appraiser and and presenting that information to them to complete at their desk they're like hey we you know we're we're set up perfectly for this Um, you know, we kind of, and all of, all of their field inspectors are, uh, W2 employees. Um, and, and they cover the, the entire nation. Um, you know, they already have quite a bit of experience in, in doing the inspection piece. Um, Mm. and, and so uh, they've already have background checks and the whole, the whole deal. So, you know, we just really kind of need to provide some education, uh, to fill the gap between what they already know and, and what the requirements, um, of the agencies, you know, uh, have. And, and so, you know, it was, uh, it was a perfect, uh, you know, kind of transition and, and they, and they do a lot of those. Uh, but then, you know, they also want to complete the, uh, the appraisal portion too, whenever that's, that's a part of the equation. And, uh, that's where I come in, uh, for the most part. I mean, I. The inspection for the appraisal, oh, obviously, obviously, I'm involved in that to a certain degree. Uh, but it's it's the valuation portion on the back end. And, you know, uh, they want to keep the same model. So they they look for W-2, um, you know, employee appraisers. <laughs> so they're not an appraisal management mm-hmm. company. That's one of the, the new things for me is working for a large national appraisal firm.
1: Oh, okay. of,
0: and so instead of having, uh, you know, uh, panel appraisers, who are independent contractors, uh, all the appraisers yep. are, uh, are employees. So that's, that's where I come in. Uh, that's where my focus is, is on that, that valuation, uh, portion, uh, of that, of that system. We don't do a single appraisal where the appraiser goes out and inspects the property. Every single appraisal we do um, is, um, the appraiser does from their desk. So, oh, I see. you know, we're, if you are uh, one of our appraisers, it's not like you can't still do work for, for others. That's obviously uh, something that we're, we're still okay with. Uh, we do want you to give us a little bit of priority. And, uh, you know, of course, but yeah, there's, it can turn out to be a really, really good di- direction.
1: It's a great way to uh, be able to tap into decades of experience and uh, meet technology where it's at. Yep. Like I said, you're getting a specialist this case, uh, 40 years of experience of a firm that has been doing all types of property reports, many times with a potentially, I won't say all necessarily, but potentially the more discerning eye because of the insurance rating where mm-hmm. a property piece really matters because there's money on the line now and somebody's writing a check when there's, a, or when there's an issue or some type of uh, damage problem, et cetera.
0: Right. You know, I mean, you hear a lot of appraisers and they're concerned that the person collecting the data is, you know- an uber driver or or pizza delivery guy they might be on a but not over at mueller's what you're telling but not at mueller (laughs) Um, and you know the other piece is well i don't even know who this person is um you know and and at mueller they're a fellow employee and look if you if you want one we'll set up for you guys to have a cup of coffee together they're always available if you have a question you can reach out to them uh talk to our staff would be more than willing to facilitate facilitate that, uh, that meeting. So we think that it's a great, a great model, um, a team approach, so to speak, the, the people who are in the office and who are running things, you know, we, we refer to them as field support services for our appraisers, right. Um, you know, oh. they're, they're there to help you be successful, uh, as the appraiser, much like, you know, when I talked about, uh, you know, in my experience, how, you know, we had, Staff that kind of did a lot of things for us to help us be uh, as efficient as possible. You know, uh, we we try to do do that to we we like to take that approach as much as we can.
1: Uh, It's always uh, interesting and uh, insightful to see the different ways people are approaching it. I know we we've previously uh, talked about the impact that many times happens, uh, and it sometimes seems like it's coming out of the blue because it came from another industry first, and there was a great book a number of years ago by uh, Christensen called Crossing the Chasm. And that's the whole point of this. And it was written back in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken, or headed towards 2000, that so many technologies that show up and disrupt one industry aren't only disrupting that industry because people weren't aware of everything else that's been going on for a long period of time somewhere mm-hmm. else. And it, it builds steam, it uh, gets perfected. And then someone says, well, if I'm doing it here, I can do it there as well. And then it jumps, as the Crossing the Chasm reference, and it's oh my goodness, it's taking over. Well, it's taking over here. It already took over some yeah. of the places. So yeah. sounds like maybe you're having,
0: maybe you're going to be in version two of that. Maybe I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, look, if you're an appraiser and you're interested in in working with us, uh, I'd love to chat with you about it. You know, if I can shamelessly plug um yeah please do okay yeah, hey bill this this is your okay. podcast we're just we're just appreciate you sharing a little insight and perspective yeah i mean reach out to me i'm on linkedin um you know william walton ball w-a-l-t-e-n-b-a-u-g-h um, just look for the big smile go. when you click on linkedin style. just type in that like, big smile you'll probably get right to that, it. send me a message I'd, I'd love to to chat with you and you know see how we could partner together and um and be successful you know there's there's When things were really busy, we had some appraisers doing really well um, in in this model. So not that they're not doing well now, but I mean, they were doing, you know, there was some pretty decent, uh, pretty pretty decent uh, earnings yet.
1: Got it. So, so Bill, we always liked, as we kind of move towards wrapping up, always like to ask the question, given all that you've experienced uh, from your home office there in uh, Western New York, formerly uh, Southern Ohio. The, uh, in, in the, uh, Indiana market, uh, Indianapolis market area, you look out over the next, say, I don't know, five, maybe 10 years. Like what has you, uh, optimistic or excited about the future as opposed to pessimistic?
0: Yeah. You know, um, we've always been on the cutting edge, um, or I, I like to think that I've always been a little bit on the cutting edge. We were one of the first ones to have uh, digital cameras. Um, you know, the ones that look like binoculars, um, it made a big fucking sound uh, when you push the push the button. Um, and, you know, it only held so many photos. So If you had a big inspection day, you had to take two. But I think they cost like $1,500 oh, a yeah. piece or something like that. Um, you know, uh, the the laser printer uh, that I mentioned, you know, uh, how we ran the office. I'm not afraid of of change in the future and technology and, um, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe someday it'll it'll bite me in the butt. I don't I don't know. But I mean to me it's it's fascinating. Um and and I think that these are these are all tools. I, I don't think appraisers are gonna be replaced. Um, you know, I think that there's always a, a place where you're gonna need someone to to look at a model's results or anything else and say, does, you know, does does that, you know, meet the you know, the rule of reasonableness or, and, you know, you need to, it's, there's going to be that the best involvement is, is a combination of both. Use the tools uh, that can make you uh, more efficient, allow you to uh, study and examine larger sets of data, um, you know, versus just a handful uh, because of the limitations of time and, and everything else. And, uh, so, I mean, I'm really kind of excited. I know I use, I said that when I got in the industry, one of my favorite things was being out in the field half the time and being behind the desk half the time. Now that I'm older, I really just kind of prefer to stay behind the desk. Um, (laughs) you know, I I go out there and and you gotta, you you gotta battle the heat or the snow or the cold or the ice. And you, you gotta battle the traffic and the, and the pets that, people being sick in houses and everything else. And, you know, if if someone can gather the data on my behalf and uh, I feel really good about it and think that I can produce credible assignment results, I just as soon stay right here and do it from anywhere I want to in the country. I don't have to be in, in Buffalo or Indiana or California or Cincinnati or anywhere else. Anywhere I want to be, um, you know, uh, send, send me the information and, uh, and I'll do it for you. So in 10 years... I mean, if if I decided to retire from the uh, chief appraiser gig, um, I could totally see waking up in the morning. Someone you know, opening up my inbox and you know have a, a a couple appraisals in there where someone's already done all that that work, and I'll sit down and sure you know over a cup of coffee and uh, breakfast and everything else work up a work up an appraisal, maybe two. Um, who knows? Using all the tools and everything that we have available, um, and then then take the rest of the afternoon to explore wherever I am in the country.
1: Well, that's that's phenomenal, Bill. I I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, that's just one of those things, and your background as well as your initiative really highlight um, how many different opportunities there are in many parts of the country and many different segments of the industry. And uh, for a lot of people, they've maybe only had one or two positions or one or two types of roles and you've touched on, there's a lot of different responsibilities out there and a lot of different ways to engage. And maybe one day, one day soon, somebody
0: else could follow in your
1: footsteps as well and move on from Cincinnati and, and be a chief appraiser in a couple of different parts around the country.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, I encourage everybody, look at things from different perspectives. Get Maybe make a little bit of a change uh, if, you're, if you're getting tired of one thing. Keep what you built on and and add something else. Look at it from a different perspective. And you know, the one company I I, I work for, the president there, she would always say, "We're a community of learners, and mm-hmm. you never stop learning." Uh, and and so, yeah, I mean, I, I I take that to heart. I like learning new things, um, and and looking at things from different perspectives, and and building on you know what I know and and adding to it. So.
1: That's fantastic. Well, Bill, I just want to say thank you again for joining us here in Season 2 on our Parousings, the Power of Values podcast. We really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. Well, once again, we uh, just want to say thanks. Uh, please be sure to continue to to share this and enjoy it. Uh, but at the same time, uh, don't just be a hearer of the word. But also be a doer of the word, uh, as you can take away from what Bill has shared with us there's a lot of application and a lot more opportunity going forward. You mentioned big data sets. We've heard some things from other guests this season as well. There are more opportunities coming in the space of valuation from a bigger picture, not just a narrower piece of appraisal. And I'm, I am excited about the future, and I have no idea what's around the corner. Uh, but I'd just rather be excited about it than worried, because I'm just not a fan of worry. And I see, Bill, you're smiling. To slow slow I think Bill's going to thumbs up on that one. So- until next time, thanks so much and have a fantastic summer. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ru Zing's Appraisers on
0: Purpose. We hope you enjoyed learning from the amazing life paths and achievements of our guests. Don't forget to like us on LinkedIn and other podcast channels to hear more from appraisers and valuers regarding their life and their work. If you have any suggestions or questions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us a message on LinkedIn and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thanks again for listening. And until we're together again for the next session of Pa Zings, Appraisers on Purpose, Create the Change that You Seek.